I love what James says in chapter 5 and verse 16. James chapter 5 and verse 16 says in the latter part of the verse in the message version, says the prayer of a person living right with God is something to be reckoned with. This morning, we're going to talk about living ablaze with prayer. We had begun the series on living your life ablaze several weeks ago, and I love the direction that it's been going, and I hope that it's been a blessing to you so far. Our passion here at Triumph Church is to equip, to encourage, and to empower. That's what we endeavor to do here each and every Sunday, to equip you with God's Word, to encourage you to live for Him unashamedly, and to empower you to walk in what He has called you to do. My hope is that through this series, Living Your Life Ablaze, that it will challenge you, but that it will also encourage you and strengthen you spiritually. Now, for those of you uh, who, who know me and have been around uh, the church here, you know that, that my teaching and, and preaching you know, kind of pushes and propels you. you know, it's my, my heart not just to preach and teach and deliver and give you a, a good message that's going to make you feel good about yourself. That's great. I want you to feel good good about yourself. And I want you to leave here every Sunday feeling good, but I also want to challenge you. You know, my job as a, as a pastor is kind of in part sort of similar in, in some regards to that of like the coach of a sports team. You know, a, a coach is always pushing his players to be better, to do better. You know, and my job as a pastor is to encourage you and get behind you, you know, one, to help, you know, put some wind in your, in your sails, but also to get behind you and just push you a little bit spiritually beyond what you're, what you're a little comfortable with, you know. And so that's what this morning is. That's what I preach a lot of times because I want our lives to make a difference in our world. I want you to make a difference in your world and be a blessing to those around you. And we're not going to do that just by coming here on Sunday mornings and hearing a message that makes us comfortable, but it's going to happen as we're pushed a little bit beyond where we're comfortable. So we want to equip you with God's Word. We want to encourage you to live for Him unashamedly and empower you to walk in what God has called you to do. Now they say that Repetition is the best teacher, so I'm going to review a little bit of what we've been talking about over the past few weeks, and then we'll get into this morning's topic. All right, is that all right? I'm not sure if, if you're looking out your window into the world and, and seeing what I've been seeing. I'm sure you likely have. We're living in the beginning of what I believe Jesus said would happen before His return. Jesus' disciples uh, had asked him in Matthew chapter 24, what would be the signs of his, of his return? And Jesus said this in Matthew 24, um, verse 6 and 8. He said, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. I like that. Don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, 
and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Oh, isn't that good news? More to come. But Jesus said these are the things that would happen before his return, but that we shouldn't panic. These things are the result of the corrosiveness and decay that sin causes. It's the result of sin in humanity's hearts and sin in this world. Jesus spoke these things as indicators, as signs of his return, not to discourage us, but to encourage us so that we may know that things are wrapping up, that Christ's return is near. That's good news, isn't it? In John chapter 16, in verse 33, Jesus said this, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. We're all going to experience some tribulation in this sinful world. But this isn't how our story ends. Jesus said several things to us here, right? He said first, in Him you can have peace. And then He said, in Him that we can be of good cheer. How is it? It's because He has overcome the world. And if we're in Him, then we too have overcome the world. The key to all of this, the key to having peace, the key to being able to be of good cheer, when we're going through one of life's storms, when we're going through some tribulation or trial in our life, the key to that is to remain in Him, to be in Him. When we're focused on Him, when we're drawing near to God, the Bible says that He'll draw near to us, right? When we're in Christ... When we're focused on Him and on Him in his, our lives and on His answer to our problem, our trial, our tribulation, then we can be of good cheer. Then we can have peace because He has overcome this world. Things are beginning to shift and change very rapidly. Yes, this world is heading in a bad direction. But as Christians... We're heading in another direction. Well, which direction are we heading towards? We're heading towards revival. This is good news for us. We're heading towards the great harvest. We're heading towards Christ's return for His church. It's going to be a bit of a roller coaster in the days ahead. But it's going to be days of glory for Christ's church for those who choose to live ablaze for Him. I know that this church is called, it's called to ring a bell, to sound the alarm, that it's time for Christ's church to live in triumph. It's time that we wake up from our slumber and our lethargicness and begin to recognize the times that we're living in. So I'm preaching the series, Living Your Life Ablaze, because the Lord is needing us in a position of readiness. We believe that the Lord has launched this church for this exact moment in time. And we're so excited that you're a part of this. This church's purpose is to be ablaze for Christ. That's our pursuit. And I believe that you're here 
because you're wanting to live your life ablaze for Him too. That's not the case everywhere. If a Christian isn't living their life ablaze for Christ, then they're not in a position of ready. Many Christians are actually in a place of neutral. Sure, they love the Lord, but they're not really walking as disciples. Many of them, it seems like they're sleepwalking. But it's time for us, it's time for Christ's church to wake up. Disciples are pursuing the Lord. They're pursuing His call. They're purposing to live their lives ablaze for Christ. They're purposing to position themselves. Well, you might ask then, well, how do we position ourselves? The first step to positioning yourself is by being part of a strong biblical church. And be a faithful attender. Make attendance a priority for yourself and your family. Have daily time with the Lord. Read the Bible and pray each and every day. And then be part of your church. Be involved in it. So what's the position of ready? It's being ready to walk in what God has called you to. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, <coughs> excuse me, in verses 24 through 27, in the New King James Version, it says, And do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Then in Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God." The Bible here is talking about being in a position of ready. You're readying yourself. You're preparing. You're training. You're being positioned. I don't believe that it's any coincidence that you find yourself here at Triumph Church. Some of you might have been wondering why you're here, but most of you are here for one or both of the following reasons. First one, God's trying to get something to you. The second one, God's needing you to give something. God's invested in many of you, and now He's needing you to invest in others. We have a part to play in this. God is needing you to get, into, to get yourself into position. A hungry person is in search of food, right? Well, a spiritually hungry person is in search of God. If you want God, if you want more of Him, then go after Him. Don't let anything hold you back, all right? We begin this series talking about the importance of having proximity to God. Firewood just doesn't light itself, does it? There must be a spark. 
There must be a flame to cause the wood to catch fire. That's done as the spark or fire is in close proximity to the wood, doesn't it? Remember James 4, 8, it says, Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. If you want to live your life ablaze, then you need to be near the one who will cause that. Your relationship with the Lord is the most important relationship that you'll ever have. If you remember, we had said uh, earlier uh, in a previous week here that from this relationship, everything else in our life is blessed. Your relationship with the Lord will cause you to be a better spouse. It'll cause you to be a better parent. It'll cause you to be a better employer or employee. It'll cause you to be a better friend, a better son, a better daughter. Your first priority must be your relationship with the Lord. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, then every other relationship will lack the fullness that it could have. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So what is it that you're seeking? Are you seeking first God's kingdom? You're either seeking God and His kingdom, or you're seeking the things of this world and this kingdom. We may try, but we can't have it both ways. We can't have one foot in God's kingdom and one foot in the devil's kingdom. Jesus calls that being lukewarm. Jesus didn't speak of the lukewarm too affectionately in Revelation chapter 3 and verses 15 and 16. He had said, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold, but I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Ouch. That seems pretty harsh, doesn't it? But none of us like lukewarm. None of us like anything that's done half-hearted. How many of us like a lukewarm cup of tea? None of us do. If you came over to my home and I made a cup of tea for you and handed it to you and it was just lukewarm, how many of you would enjoy that? I don't think any of us would, would we? Everything in your life is dependent upon your proximity to God. When we're in proximity to God, all the things of this world which burden us and weigh us down simply melt away. But you have to make the decision. Are you going to run to God? Are you going to pursue Him? Are you going to yield your life to Him? This is how you become a blaze for Christ. Then there's the foundation of your life, which is the Word of God. That proximity we're, we're talking about can't take place without faith in God's Word. The value of God's Word has to become a settled matter in your life. If it isn't, then you'll have no foundation. And if you have no foundation, then this world and the devil will steer you whichever way they desire, and you'll live your life unsettled and unstable. Jesus said that His Word must be our foundation. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24 uh, through 27, it says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, 
I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now we know the rock is Jesus and his word. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. It was founded on Jesus and on his word. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. God's word is the foundation of everything. Jesus says that a wise man builds his house upon his word, but the foolish man builds his home upon the shifting sands of this world. That's everything else. If you build on anything other than God's word, it's going to inevitably fail and it's going to fall. But when we build our lives upon God's word, our lives will have the stability and we'll live our lives ablaze for Christ. So this morning, we're going to focus on the topic of living ablaze with prayer. Now, the interesting thing about prayer is that it goes hand in hand with God's word. People often pray, but they have no idea of God's will. Sure, they pray, but they have no idea if their prayer will be answered. They're really just like crossing their fingers and hoping that God hears them. That's a lot like throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks, right? If you're praying without knowing if something is God's will or not, how can you know if He's hearing you, much less answer you? In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14, it says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will... He hears us. Listen to me closely this morning. If you ask anything of God according to His will, you can have the utmost confidence that He hears you. So how are you going to know what His will is? You're going to know His will as you read and study His Word. If you spend a couple hours chatting with me over a cup of coffee, and many of you have, you're going to begin to know you're going to begin to know me, right? You're going to begin to know my likes. You're going to know my dislikes. You're going to begin to know my will on the subjects that we're chatting about, aren't you? Well, the same is true with God. If you want to know His will about something, all you have to do is read what His Word says about a topic. As an example, let's pick healing for starters this morning. What does God's Word say about our health? What's His will on this topic? We may ask the question, does God care if we're healthy or not? Does He want us healthy? We won't actually know the answer to those unless we read what He says about that in His Word, right? So let's look at a situation in the Bible where Jesus was confronted uh, by a leper. I think this portion of Scripture is very helpful. In Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 40 through, 40 through 42, it says, now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And as soon as he had spoken immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. So what are we reading here? 
We're reading about a leper coming before Jesus and kneeling before him. This was an illegal act that could have gotten this man stoned to death. Leprosy is, an extremely, contag- is extremely contagious and it eats your flesh. Lepers were in those days sent out of the camps outside the cities away from the population where they were to live out the remainder of their lives. And this man violated the law. He violated, to, violated it to find out if it was Jesus' will that he be healed. Now, I'm sure this must, man must have heard of all the miracles that Jesus was doing. If Israel is anything like Ireland, news travels pretty quickly, right? So this man asked Jesus, the leper asked Jesus, if it were his will for him to be healed. He had heard, knew that Jesus was healing all sorts of other people. But he didn't know if Jesus' will was to heal him. He knew Jesus had the ability to heal him. He just didn't know if he would be willing to. We might be asking the same question. So what was Jesus' answer? Jesus says, I am willing. Be cleansed. So we can see that it was Jesus' will that this leper be healed. And we can read in Acts chapter 10, In verse 34, Peter makes a very eye-opening statement. He said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. And in the New Living Translation, it reads, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. This is saying that God shows no partiality. He shows no favoritism, that He's no respecter of persons. What this means is that if it is His will for one person then that will is for every person. Jesus is no respecter of persons. He shows no partiality. He shows no favoritism. If he is willing to do something for one person, then he's willing to do it, do it for all. By what Jesus spoke to this leper, we can see that his will was for that leper to be made whole. In fact, It wasn't long after that that Jesus took 39 stripes, meaning being whipped 39 times with what is called the cat of nine tails. We can see in 1 Peter 2.24, Peter was writing, He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Are you catching that? By whose stripes you were healed. The whip that Jesus was whipped with was called the cat of nine tails. It was a whip with nine leather strips with weighted metal and glass woven in to inflict the maximum amount of damage. The weighted ends would wrap around you when it hit. And when it was pulled back, the woven glass would rip off your skin. This is what Jesus endured Thirty-nine times. So let me ask you this question. What was the purpose of Jesus taking those stripes? Jesus knew this was going to happen going into this. He knew the prophecies about himself, the Messiah. He knew Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5 that reads, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. 
So Peter was talking about what took place. Isaiah was talking about what was going to take place. Jesus was the fulfillment of that. By his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we were healed. It's amazing to me that Jesus stepped down from heaven knowing full well what he would have to endure for you and I. As Jesus healed person after countless person, he knew that those healings were essentially on credit and that payment was coming due to him. Yes, Jesus' will was to heal the leper. And being no respecter of persons, his will is for all of God's children to live healed and to live healthy and whole. Let's look at another scripture in Matthew chapter 15. In verses 29 through 31 in the New King James Version, it says, Jesus departed from there skirted the Sea of Galilee and went up on the mountain and sat down there. He was just wanting some peace and quiet. But then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel." You can see God's will in His Word, right? What do you believe about God's will concerning healing? Just after reading these handful of scriptures and just talking about it. There's great power in that knowledge, isn't there? When we know God's will, it'll change the way that we pray. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you know God's will about something... Then feed your spirit that over and over again until faith begins to rise up within you. Read the miracles of Jesus throughout the gospel. Read, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And read the miracles throughout the book of Acts until your faith in God's word concerning healing is like a racing horse ready to burst through those gates. God honors his word. In Isaiah 55 and verse 11, It says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God's word is his will. What do you think happens when we begin to have faith that God's word shall prosper in the purpose in which he sent it? The Bible is His will for your life. When you understand His will for you and believe it, your life will begin to change. But this all has to start with the Word as our foundation. We can't live our lives ablaze for Christ apart from His Word. We can't live our lives ablaze with prayer apart from His Word. In 1 John chapter 5, in 14 and 15, we had read verse 14, but let's read verse 15 as well. So we'll go back to 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And in verse 15, and if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked, asked of Him. Praying for anything contrary to God's will is a pointless and useless endeavor. 
But when you pray God's word, which is his will, it will prosper. It will not return to God void. God honors his word. Something else that God honors is our faith in his word. That faith will cause mountains in your life to move. On the contrary, doubt will neglect God's word and will, sorry, on the contrary, doubt will neglect God's word and will in our lives. Our negative words will negate, short circuit God's word and will in our lives. In James chapter 1, in verses 6 through 7, it says, But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So let's begin wrapping this up by putting this all together. Our prayers require several ingredients. The first thing, God's word. Study God's word so that you can know his will. The second thing, faith. When you know God's will, then you can have faith in his word. This is the starting point for living ablaze with prayer. If you want your prayers to be anything more than throwing things at the wall and hoping that they stick, then you need to begin with these two ingredients. Many people pray ineffective prayers. Why? Because they don't know God's will. And so they have no faith in his ability to intervene on their behalf. If you're praying for something that is contrary to God's word, or if you have no faith in God's word, then your prayers are going to go unanswered. If you want answered prayers, then they must be founded in God's word. Only then can you have faith and confidence that he hears you. Here's a couple more vital ingredients to answered prayer, and then we'll then we'll close. Pray in Jesus' name. In John chapter 16 and verse 23 through 24, Jesus said, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whoever, whatever you ask in the Father, ask of the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing of me in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Everything that has been given to us by God, has been purchased with the shed blood of Christ upon the cross. He is the reason that we have access to God. And so Jesus instructs us to pray to the Father by using the authority of His name. Another ingredient is believe that you receive what you have prayed for. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So let's tie this all together. We're talking about living our lives ablaze in prayer, but what does that truly mean? How can you apply that to your life? If you want to live your life ablaze with prayer, then you need to begin with what we have talked about this morning. Number one, study God's word so that you'll know his will. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, study to show yourself approved. The second thing is develop your faith in God's word. We know Romans 10.17, where it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then praying in Jesus' name. It's Jesus' name which grants us access to God. And the last thing, believe that you receive those things that you have prayed for. 
So I'm going to be closing this morning with this. The prayer of faith rooted in God's word has the power to change the impossible. Sometimes the, thing in our, the things in our lives, those trials, those tribulations, those situations seem impossible. The world doesn't have the answers. We go to the doctor and the doctor doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know what the answer is. But with God, God knows. I love this verse in Jeremiah 32, 27. It's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. It reads, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Listen, the situations in our lives may seem impossible. We may not know how the answer is going to come. We may be praying and we may not know how the Lord's going to deliver the answer to us, but we don't have to think about that. The Bible just says, cast your cares upon the Lord because He cares for you. God is the God of the impossible. He can move those mountains which we cannot move. We don't have a hope of moving those mountains on our own, but with God, all things are possible. Why is it that we can live our lives ablaze with prayer? It's because we have great confidence that when we pray for anything according to His will, we know that He hears us. We can have confidence that He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, then what it is that we have prayed for, we know that He is going to give those things to us because those things are according to His will. It's what He wants for our lives. When we pray and declare those things over our lives, when we pray against that mountain that seems so impossible, when we pray and speak God's word against that thing, that mountain must move. Amen? Well, let's pray.